in this week's Bet the Process podcast, we will be comparing Rufus's forecast for what the committee was going to do and to what they actually did do. We'll be trying to follow up on his four and two week in college football with some better college picks. We'll be talking about how there's no real value left in NFL futures. We'll be talking about an icon in the industry in Towder Sharp, someone who's provided probably more valuable content than almost anyone else in this world, but is now selling picks or does sell picks. And you know how we feel about that. We'll be doing our normal survivor picks, our normal super contest picks, where we are four and a half points out of first place. And as always, we will be talking through man versus machine. The machine has made a big comeback. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app. It's the best way for sports bettors to track their bets, see live odds, and get great gambling analysis. As Barstool Big Cat says, Sports Action app is the best app for the sports better, and it's not even close. And it's available for free on the App Store and Google Play. So with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode 11 of the Bet the Process podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Ma with Rufus Peabody in uh, Prague still? Still in Prague. Lisbon on Saturday. Still in Prague. Lisbon going to Portugal. Can't wait to hear about that. Uh, let's jump into This was obviously an exciting week with the committee uh, announcing their first rankings. I know that you guys have been doing some work with the Washington Post um, trying to use Massey Peabody to actually uh, quantify or predict what they were going to be. And you, and you guys did pretty well, huh? Yeah, I think so. We got uh, one, two, we got, we got the first four teams correct, but just flipped Clemson and Notre Dame in order. We thought that Miami would be a little higher than they were. We had them number six and we had Wisconsin number seven. So I think we were a little surprised that Oklahoma was as high as they are, even though we think Oklahoma should have been high, if you know what I mean. Basically, we we, we were going based on past committee behavior. We weren't picking what we thought were the best teams. I mean, obviously, it's hard for you to s- suppose this, but what do you think that the reason why your ratings differed where they differed, i.e., like they had Oklahoma higher than you guys thought they would? And I know you like Oklahoma because we're going to cover that later in the future stuff um, and why um, they had Miami lower. Well, I think in previous years, they cared more about win-loss record, at least early on. I remember back in 2014, I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State were the first two, even though we still had Alabama as the the much superior team. But it 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 appeared that they didn't really focus quite as much on wins and losses this particular year. But it's tough though when you're when you're trying to develop an objective model to model a inherently subjective process. You're never going to be right. So are there are there tiers here at all that you're seeing? Like, can I? I mean, if I were to think about this in in terms of like the top tier and second tier, how do you guys look at that? Well, do you mean in terms of the rankings now, the way we forecasted they would be now, or in terms of looking forward to the playoff and where we think it's going to end up? Um, I guess both. Um, you know, it, it, just in looking at things, it's, it seems like Georgia and Alabama are sort of the top. And there's For a sure. bunch of teams behind them. Um, I guess this is actually an, an interesting question because this is when we get into this idea of 
Should it be four teams? Should it be eight teams? Should it be 16 teams? Um, w- is there any sort of like grouping now that makes you think that it should be four versus eight versus 16? Uh, not really. I think four is a pretty good number, though, generally, given that you have five power conferences. And I think that with I think regardless, yeah, but I mean, like, have... isn't that isn't that just a wrong way of doing it? If you have five power conferences and one of them isn't going to get uh, a representative. Well, one isn't always deserving. There are plenty of years when you have a three loss team that wins a power five conference. I mean, I think that a, a school like Penn State this year after losing to Ohio State, um, they might have an argument that if they. I mean, they're probably not going to get to play for the Big Ten title game. So even if they run the table, they'll have one loss, but have virtually so no chance of up, getting in. You could they, end, could, they could have an argument that they should be able to get that chance to play. Well, you could, you could. So I don't, I don't agree with you at all. Like four seems like this ridiculously stupid, arbitrary number. Um, I'm a big proponent of at least eight, and I actually think it should be sixteen. And the reason I think it should be sixteen is because. I really believe that every team that plays Division One football, so FBS football, should be able to wake up in the first day of their season and know that if they win every single one of their games, that they have a chance to win the national championship. And that's not the way it is. It's, it's not fair for the smaller teams. You may say those smaller teams have no chance, but it's just not the way the NCAA should set these things up because they, they require this number of teams to be in like the Alabama benefits from UAB being an FBS team. They benefit because it makes the overall number of teams that are in the FBS more. And it allows them to do like have more teams in bowls and all this kind of stuff, right? There's just all these reasons why Alabama gets a benefit from UAB being an FBS team. So why shouldn't they have an opportunity to win the national championship if they win all of their games? That's a really good point, and I think one that UCF fans are going to be uh, would strongly agree with you on. And last year, Western Michigan. Now, I don't think that UCF or Western Michigan last year were nearly in the top four best teams, but um, you're right; it, it, it certainly like isn't who, fair. And but here's the thing: you have to cut it off somewhere, I guess. And but who these are, I mean, are like, but that's the thing. Like, if you're going to cut it off somewhere, I agree. But don't just cut it off arbitrarily at four. Why don't you cut it off? And allow every conference, whether it's Power Five or not Power Five, to have one champion that goes. And you can decide that either by regular season or championship game. And I know this is going to be adding a bunch of games, right? This will add. Right, that, that's the problem. Well, Logistics. Like you could you could make a case that you could get rid of the conference championship games, right? Because now you can actually have the regular season champion one. And then you could also get rid of one of the crappy, you know, non-FBS teams that a lot of these game t- people play so you've gotten rid of two games and really then you only have basically two teams playing an extra game that makes sense you could have sort of an automatic bid like you see for the ncaa tournament for conferences yeah, but i, I think you should have something if you expand you should have something that says if you go undefeated enter an fbs team then you at least get a chance to play in some sort of playoff game to try where you have a chance of winning the national title. Like if you just go to 16, you don't need that. Cause you basically have like, I don't, I don't remember exactly how many, like I thought about this a a long time ago, maybe like five years ago, I wrote a blog about this, but you have basically like eight or nine conferences total. And then you could have like, or I think it's maybe 11 conferences, something like that. Then you could have like five at large and then it would be a pretty awesome thing. I mean, the first 
week certainly would have some blowouts, but that's just like the first week of the NCAA basketball tournament. Right, but doesn't that devalue the regular season a little bit? I mean, I do think one thing that's great about college football is that is how much every regular season game matters for these big schools. If they lose no, a game, think, it can... think about it this way. Every single conference champion has to go. Okay. And so that I don't I don't we can go through the exact even group number, of five. What's that? Even even the group of five. Even, I, I feel like the group of five. If they're an undefeated group of five, they should be able to go. But I don't think a one loss, a three like, a three loss Mac team. Come on. You're not listening. To what, why should the group of five teams be inherently screwed based on the fact that they're in the group of five? Because they have weak schedules. If you have, if you're a three loss Mac that's team, not their, you don't have an that's argument. That's not their fault. Totally, that's just their conference. It's their like, fault. That's what it's they their fault they lost three games. What's that? It's their fault if they lost three games. Sure, it's their fault if they lost three games. But how can you create like this stipulation? Like, then are you going to have like what if what if all of a sudden like five of those teams happen to go undefeated? Then is your is you're gonna? Are you just gonna say, well, actually, this year we're gonna have a much different playoff structure and we're gonna change everything? Play-in game? No. What you have like these variable play-in games that you create in these off weeks? Like, I, I mean, well, no, I don't I mean, understand why we would just go to like a real a real tournament that allows every team when they wake up in the morning to basically know they have a chance to win the national championship. No, I, I really wish they would, but I just don't see it actually happening. At least not anytime soon. All right. Well, anyways, let's go back to this. So, okay. Uh, so, in so terms the, of you want you want your clusters, right? Alab- I mean, the clusters right now are Alabama and Georgia at the top. Although that's not going to be a cluster at the end of the season so much because one of them is going to beat the other one in the SEC title game, most likely. Um, I mean, well, even most likely both will get in there, right? Because next week you have Alabama. I mean, sorry, Georgia playing Auburn, and that is. Obviously, pretty tough game for Georgia. Oh, for sure. Um, Auburn's a great team. I mean, Auburn is a a top 10 team in terms of my predictive numbers. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to um, where you would kind of buy and sell teams. Like, is there, you know, Alabama, number one, current odds, buying or selling them? Well, I'd sell them right now. Um, my, I only have them at plus 131, and my model in the market seems to think they're a favorite to win the national title. Obviously, I can't actually sell them. But, I mean, they're still clearly the best team in college football. But last week's results kind of hurt them looking towards the playoff. A big reason for that is Georgia throttling Florida, best performance of the week. And they're now Alabama's most likely opponent in the college football uh, semis. Ohio State, our clear number two best team in the country, also is much more likely to make the playoff now given their win over Penn State. So basically, the field sets up tougher for Alabama right now. What would you make the line right now if Alabama and Georgia were to play on a neutral? Oh, man, I don't have that in front of me. I think it around it, it more than a touchdown for sure. You'd have Alabama favored by more than a touchdown. Oh, yeah. But yet you have Georgia ranked higher than them. Right now. They're mo- right now they have the, the better strength of resume. They played a tougher schedule. If you just that's based on what the committee like that was modeling the committee's behavior. Okay, that so wasn't as, modeling like, as, I got it, got it, got it. But as like uh, your absolute Massey Peabody ratings, you still have Alabama minus as the nine. top team. Minus yeah, nine, minus nine, nine over line. Georgia. That is, that is interesting. In in tiers for actual team quality, it's Alabama and Ohio State one and two, way ahead of the pack, and then you have Georgia and other teams. Yeah. So that's a good segue into um, this sort of Penn State. Obviously, we liked Ohio State minus the anywhere from what six and a half to seven and a half is what that line was. 
right. last week. Um, Ohio State thought it'd be cool to just spot Penn State 14 points and say, like, hey, let's see if we can still beat you when we do this. And they did. Um, but a lot of people now, I, I, I have, was walking in this morning and heard the narrative about Penn State being able to pull what Ohio State did last year and make the you know, make the playoffs without actually going to the Big Ten Championship. you think there's a chance of that? No, I really don't. I think the problem is their strength of schedule. They're not going to – Ohio State played a much tougher non-conference schedule last year than Penn State did this year. And Penn State just doesn't have enough games left against good teams to really put themselves in that conversation, at least in my opinion and in the opinion of the model we created. I make them 145-1 to 1 right now to, to win the, the playoff. And uh, I think about less than way, – way under uh, 10% to actually make the playoff. Right. Right now the market's 25-1 to 1 for them to win the title. So I think that, that they're, they're a team I'd sell big time. Right. I mean, they, they need to hope for chaos. They need to hope a, a lot of the top teams lose, and they're sort of the only one left standing. There's been a lot of chaos this year. There has. And here's the thing. They did lose by lose in a very, very close game to Ohio State, but they were clearly outplayed, as you said. Ohio State allowed a kickoff return for a touchdown. They lost the turnover battle. They outgained them big time in yards per play. And, and my numbers, basically, even after adjusting for home field and the quality of opponent going into the game, and we had Ohio State as a much better team than Penn State, um, Ohio State was still seven points better. And so obviously at home they should have, and against a team that's worse, like I would have judged it as Ohio State should have fundamentally won that game by double digits. Right. Yeah. But they didn't. But they didn't. <laughs> but they still won. Yeah, no, it was a great game. I was actually on Tony Kornheiser's podcast this morning, and he asked me a little bit about like, you know, the idea of, of gambling um, and whether you can kind of like he was saying that he doesn't enjoy he stopped gambling because he didn't enjoy watching games because he was gambling on them. And he asked me if I could enjoy games. And that Ohio State Penn State game was a complete example of a game that, you know, I knew I was never going to win an Ohio State bet minus seven. But it was a very enjoyable game to watch. I mean, I, I was still rooting for Ohio State because I think that, you know, they're almost like the uh, the mascot of this podcast because we've been talking about them since since week one. And yep. obviously, if they win the national championship, um, we're the smartest people in the world. So that's important because we want to be the smartest people in the world. That's tongue in cheek, in case you guys were <laughs> wondering. Uh, and who are you buying? We talked about I'm, two teams you're selling. Who are you buying? I'm buying the Sooners at 40 to 1. They're the sixth ranked team in Massey Peabody. They still have a clear path to the play playoff. I know they have a tough schedule ahead. They have to beat Oklahoma State in Bedlam next week. They have to beat TCU, and then they'll probably have to beat one of those two teams or Iowa State in the Big 12 title game. But if they win those three games, you know, and I think Kansas and West Virginia, whoever else they have, um, and they have they have a thirty or a twenty six percent chance, I think, of running the table, including the Big 12 title game. Um, my numbers say that they would probably have about an 80% chance, a little less, of making it to the playoff. And being a really good team, they would, you know, they'd be a very live, uh, live dog in a way in, in well, that you, uh, you, tournament. You just said you said they could beat Ohio State, but you mentioned they've already beat Ohio State, right? Oh, did I, I'm, um, did I say Iowa State? You I meant said Ohio, Ohio State. It doesn't matter. We we know that I they're meant, not going to beat Ohio State be, in the Big 12 championship. Right? They'll either. Yeah, I meant Iowa State. Sorry, misspoke. Yeah, and then uh, another and then, team, another team I'm buying is uh, is Washington at sixty six to one, and I think they actually have maybe even a more clear path to the playoff than does Oklahoma. Now they're hurt, like Penn State right now. Um, they're hurt by a weak schedule. Unlike Penn State, they will have a chance to um, 
improve that schedule through the uh, the Pac-12 title game. So if, for example, if they do not make the Pac-12 title game, we rank their schedule the 55th hardest in the country. If they do make it, that extra game against a quality team will boost it to the 29th best or 29th most toughest schedule. So I, I think if they win out and win the Pac-12, um, they have a 77% chance of getting in. They're a quality team. Um, they're a fifth-ranked team, and I know a lot of other of the advanced stats models like them as well. So I think 66 to 1 is a huge bargain. I make them 22 to 1. Hmm. So go buy your Washington futures at 66 to 1 if you can get them. Uh, last week, finally, had some had a winning week in college. And the losses, obviously, we already talked about Ohio State. Um, do you think that the model is now breaking because of Florida State's? Like, I, I don't uh, know if you watched that BC game at all, but like, you know, like I'm not one to talk about narratives, but like the Florida State team looked so disinterested in playing football. There was one play where there were two Florida State guys about to tackle a BC guy uh, right on the goal line. The Florida State guy looked like he had him wrapped up. So the other guy just was disinterested and sort of stood there. And the guy kind of bounced off the Florida State guy and ended up scoring. And, and that was a, a microcosm for me to say, like, this looks like Florida State just has zero interest in this game. Now, I'm assuming that that's going to create some value on Florida State going forward. Um, do you do you think through that at all, or is there a way that you can, you know, do you get to a point where you just say, okay, we can't bet on this team anymore because I really have no idea where their heads are at? I mean, you can think that all the time, and obviously the evidence last week points towards that. But there are all these times when you sort of could come up with the narrative and. Only a, in my opinion, only a fraction of those times is the narrative actually correct. Well, I remember I mean, like, last I think... year, with last year on ESPN's podcast, uh, the Behind the Bets, Anita Marks was telling me that having been in the Jets locker room, she could tell that team had quit and all that. And I still was like, well, my numbers like them, and I'm just going to stick to the model because you know what? You know, the, here's the thing: if you if you lay off a play for that reason, and that play actually wins, you end up kicking yourself. Like I, I basically, you doubted the model and. Um, well, but that's that's neither here nor there, right? Like you can't. I, I don't agree with you. You're basically saying that's a reason to not lay off something. Um, I got hey, sort of like a a little a little uh, Twitter fight with Chris Felica, the Bear, um, from ESPN a couple weeks ago because he tweeted about like you know a I don't know like a quarter no maybe like five or ten minutes into the New Mexico um, versus. I can't remember who they're playing. Maybe it was Colorado State or something like that. He tweeted about, you know, saying that he felt like he had missed something, and and so New Mexico came out and and I think they they put up some points early as a like a ten point something like that underdog, and you know he, the idea that like you missed something after watching you know five minutes of a game I think is a really sort of bad way to to judge things. And it's, it's a bad thing to espouse for people that, um, the gamble, because you're constantly going to be regretting things. If you watch games and think about, Oh wow, I could have, I could have bet on that, you know, but at the I, same time, he's regretting something. I, I don't know the way he does it, but if it's based on executing a model that already exists, I, I wouldn't be regretting it because I trust that process versus if my intuition is telling me, Oh, I think this is going to happen because of such and such a reason. And I think, and there's judgment involved then I think that's when you can have some regret because you figure your judgment of this was not actually correct. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think we, we talked about this a little bit, which is just the idea that you know, having a model basically is, is the way to keep yourself away from, from regret, right? Because you have, I kind of got in this debate with Mitchell Lichtman, who is, is obviously one of the baseball savants when it comes to analytics and whatnot. And we, we talked about, you know, the, the idea that having analytics around actual like basic strategy around uh, managerial decisions, because so many of the managerial decisions in the playoffs have been so bad, like the only way to really keep yourself from making terrible emotional decisions is to actually have an analytical framework that you can use. Otherwise, you know, you just make dumb decisions all the time. Okay, moving on, let's go quickly to the NFL and futures. Um, this could be a quick conversation because there isn't very much value left, I would assume. Do you see any? Not much, honestly. I think that the best bets right now are the Ravens at 95 to 1. I make them 81. Jacksonville at 40 to 1. I think they should be 32 to 1. And the only other place I show value, at least given the lines I'm looking at now, is uh, with the New England Patriots at plus 425. I make them plus 407. Okay. And then I uh, assume your top four still like New England, Pittsburgh, Philly, Seattle, KC. Is that top five or what? what? That's the top five in, ter- in terms of futures odds. Yeah. In terms of what your futures odds say. Right. In terms of probability of winning the Super Bowl. My top five overall in terms of like the best teams are New England, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Philly, Atlanta. Wow. Okay. So Kansas City's kind of dropped down a bit. That's really interesting. Kansas City, like I think, what three weeks ago was probably the favorite to win the to win the to win it all. I guess no, no. I I've had Patriots favorite the entire season. No, you don't. Yours don't move. Don't overreact. Yours don't move twenty percent based on a week. <laughs> okay, fader aid. This is interesting. Um, so you know there was an article last week. Wait, hold on, Jeff. Dave. Can I cut you off real quick? You forgot sure. the end. And you forgot college football picks. I didn't know if you were going to do it before or after the futures. Oh, yeah. Sorry. My bad. We just had some technical difficulties, so we're, yeah. we're just getting back, and that's our excuse. So, okay, college football picks. Where do you see value? Quickly. Um, Ohio State laying 17.5 against Iowa. Army plus 6.5 at Air Force. South Carolina is a 24.5-point dog at Georgia. Um, Oklahoma, I think they should actually be a small favorite. Um, you're getting either two and a half or three at Oklahoma State. Another big game, Penn State, uh, minus eight, hosting Michigan State. And for the second straight week, USC, this time laying seven against Arizona. Yeah, I think the USC one, I was going to point this out when we were talking about Florida State. In some respects, that USC game looked very similar to the Florida State game where they were you know, small favorites on the road um, against a team that was playing well, that they were much more talented than you could question SC's motivation, just like you could question Florida State's motivation. I know at least when I looked at those games, I thought they were very similar, and they obviously had very different results where SC's, you know, talent and just dominated Arizona State, and, and they won that game easily, whereas Florida State's talent either was unmotivated or injured or didn't show up. Um, I mean, that then, just shows how hard it is to to be able to know ahead of time which one of the, you know, how it's, it's going to play you out. You know what? It's easy to know after the fact, though. So if we oh, could actually just make the bets after the fact, we'd be fine, right? Yeah. That well, was a joke. If I could it's, also get, if I could get Florida, uh, of course it was. I know. And I could get, if I could get Florida State, you know, if I, if I could get Florida State minus two and a half like I did and minus three on the podcast and it closed at six and a half or six or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... 
What's interesting about those college picks too is it seems like there's a little value on Ohio State and Penn State. Do you think the market is pricing in like a letdown from their big game last week? Um, for both of them, uh, maybe I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be a six-point letdown in the case of Ohio State. No, I'm not saying that it's, it's right. I'm just like it's just interesting to see that there's value on both of them. Anyways, yeah, uh, you know, going into fader aid. I think it's interesting because David Purdom wrote an article about uh, the favorites going 12 and one sort of out um, outright last week. Um, obviously, there's been some stories the first couple of weeks about the underdogs going whatever they were, 10 and five. You know, these stories are fodder for narratives. And they're the unfortunate thing that make gamblers look for patterns where they they really don't exist um what do they call it the, the gambler's fallacy which is like looking at things that are trying to find patterns that are predictive that really aren't and i think like the the, the problem i have with Purdom writing articles like this is that they perpetuate that myth that make people create this sort of idea of a gambler's fallacy it's like the roulette wheel you know when you see seven reds in a row that black the next time we all know that's not true every spin of that roulette wheel is independent these stories that Purdom writes i think are dangerous um and that's why i have a problem with them often so i mean is this 12 and one thing does this does this mean anything to you is this noise um do you agree with me or do you think i'm just being a curmudgeon stick in the mud well i think it's he's writing it as a news story saying this happened that it hurt the sports books so i don't think in that way it's bad and you know, he responded to someone on Twitter, I think. He said, okay, so what about some article he wrote? And he said, well, you know, the number one question I get every week is how did the sports books do? And this sort of is related. Now, of course, I don't think this is actually uh, big news in any significant way. I think, you know, I, I looked at the pinnacle money lines for all the favorites and the chances. I mean, if you had parlayed all the, the favorites money lines together, um, you would have gotten like 97 to 1 on it. So, you know, almost 1 in 100 chance that all the favorites won. And in fact, and, and there's a 6% chance that, um, if I did my math right, look, looking using the the pinnacle Novig money line, there's a 6% chance of seeing at least 12 of 13 favorites win, which is the fourth highest of any week since 2010, um, where you have at least, you know, 13 games on the, on the schedule. But which, I mean, that's just, that's not that high. It's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen 6% of the time. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And yeah, so last week was actually like even an outlier week in some respects, but not outlier, but it was definitely on the distribution of where you would be more likely to see something like that happen because because of the the way the game's laid out from a money line standpoint. Oh, for sure. For sure. One of the highest. Yeah. Got it. OK. Um, and then we can move in. You know, I did want to quickly revisit our favorite subject, which has become our favorite subject, which is Dr. Bob. Um, and and one of the reasons we're revisiting this is because we invited him to come on the podcast to have this debate with us. He told us that he did not have time to do that because of all the work he does. And then he um, immediately went on Ed Fang's podcast to call our Towder Sharp segment stupid. Um, and I think what was interesting to me is he released – one of the things he said to us, which makes him not a tout, is he says he doesn't even mark it. He doesn't even really answer his phone. But yet he sent an email out last week with a free play, and he continues to send free plays out. In this case, he sent out a free play via email on Oklahoma State, which won easily, or won, uh, minus seven and a half against, sorry, minus seven against West Virginia. When he sent this out, the line was seven and a half everywhere, 
and his his he said like I sent this out at seven to my subscribers. It'll probably go back to seven, and that's why I'm sending it out. It it didn't go back to seven. It stayed at seven and a half and went up to eight some places and whatnot. That to me is somewhat marketing, somewhat touty. I mean, it's it's it is you know I'm happy to sit call to tell him that he is ethical and whatnot, but he he does market. I mean, he has to market. He's trying to sell picks. So it's just interesting to me that like he made a big point to say that, but yet, and this was pointed out on Twitter, I do think it's like a little odd to send out a free pick for a game where that line isn't even available anymore. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't call it a pick. I'd call it like just a heads up to people that I would like this if it got to minus seven, but I don't think you can call that a pick in any way. I mean, he does call it a pick. It's like a very, I'll send you the email. It's a very odd, it's very odd to me to not actually just really acknowledge the fact that, oh, hey, th this line isn't there anymore. I mean, he, he just puts it in as like a, a little thing at the end. But whatever. We we don't have to disparage Dr. Bob because obviously um, I do have a lot of respect for him. I just I just wish that he would own up to the fact that because he sells picks, he does market them. And there is a certain amount of, of, of you know, not nastiness that comes from selling picks. And that's why, that's why we shy away from it. You know, another interesting well, thing that kind of came up in this whole conversation that we were having about pick selling and, and that you got into some, with some people on Twitter um, was just this idea of, you know, this, you know, the, the Vegas Daves of the world versus like the Warren Sharps slash Aaron Schatz's of the world. And I honestly think this comes into where you and I differ on this subject, which is about whether someone is a sharp or can be a sharp or should be selling picks if they don't seriously gamble themselves. Like Aaron Schatz probably doesn't even understand like minus money, like VIG, those types of things because he's not really gambling. And I'm not saying that that excuses him, but that's why I'm saying like I really don't trust anyone to give gambling advice unless they actually gamble themselves. I, I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think if you can – if you're good at mo like if you have a good predictive model, whether you know anything about gambling or not, um, it's a good predictive model. That's fine. Not but stay away from one. stay away from actually giving picks. So just, just say, okay, giving... my model says this team's going to win by eight, and then people can do with that what they want. That's I think exactly. that's very different than giving it as picks, and I think that's what these people should be doing. Um, I know that there will be people that use that for betting because, to be honest, like for better or for worse, that is where it seems like the money is, and. Um, but that's there the, will that's always the, be a demand for that. But that's the problem, right? And this is we can go into our touter sharp this week, which is Phil Steele, which is really like at, at the core, this is a guy that knows, a, you know, like you said, oh, yeah. a fuck ton about college football. I mean, he knows a lot, right? And he um, clearly does. But and I, I'm not sure if he started by selling picks, which I don't think he did. Like he started by having this amazing like newsletter and preview and all this stuff and like. I've heard this guy on the radio and the amount of, that he knows about like the backup free safety for New Mexico State is incredible. Um, but then you fall into the slippery slope, this rabbit hole of selling picks. And then all of a sudden it becomes a different world for you. And that's where I think it's really dangerous for, you know, for people. And, and, and it's almost like a drug, right? It's like this easy drug to make money is to sell picks. And then it just becomes this nasty world that you live in where you no longer become interested i mean you want to win obviously but it's more it's more it's more about like making money off your picks yeah you know uh the fact that he knows all the backup free safeties kind of reminds me of my former boss at las vegas sports consultants kenny white who had like 
who had binders with ratings on everything about just like on like the second string high school left tackle for basically everybody. And so as a result, um, I I feel like people that do things that way are going to have be a lot better at the beginning of the season because they have a much better idea of, um, you know, who these new players that don't have a lot of data on them um, are and how they're going to perform. But to your point, basically, um, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to create it. I mean, to to provide value in terms of betting. And I mean, do you have any thoughts on like Phil Steele as a as a pick seller? Oh well, I, I went to his site. I think North Coast is his site, or apparently it's unless there's a different Phil Steele who's been giving out picks for the last 25 years. And I, the headlines were. Top college totals, five straight wins, all caps. NFL October, LPS, 14-4-1, 78%. Monday night side in total, 10-0, 100%. College marquee plays, 12-6, 67%. NFL marquees, 10-4, 71%. Something else. NFL top weekly LPS, 7-1, 88% on year with three exclamation marks. Top play I trio, 10-4, 71%. So basically what I'm getting at is that like, this is very toutish behavior. He has five different play categories, so he can always tout some great record in one of them. Um, and appears he does. Uh, and nowhere on his site does it say his long-term record. I actually went, I, I, someone basically called me out for not on Twitter for not really doing enough research on the touts that I'm talking about. So I, I kind of decided to actually do a little research on this. And I, I pulled up his, his numbers on the, the sports monitor of Oklahoma, which is apparently where his picks are monitored. And in the last, let's see, since 2013, I believe his numbers are, um, 879 wins and 814 losses, which is negative 16.4 units. Um, that's still over 50%, but it's not uh, enough to be profitable. If you go back further, well, I think it's also units. But but I do think um, I asked this person on Twitter, actually, um, if that's a reputable site. And he kind of said that there's a lot of issues with it. Um, and so I, I don't know if that's reputable. But either way, like I, I think him marketing himself is like, oh, this is 70%. This is 100%. This is 80%. When in fact... You know, he's probably like, you know, 52% or something is, I mean, is that, I think that's very touty behavior and, and not the most like honest thing to do. Yeah. And I, I think again, the, the whole problem here comes from the fact that he's, he's selling picks, right? If he could just make enough money by selling his preview and his newsletter and selling the content, he probably would never get into this and would never have to be doing sort of what is touty behavior. I think one of the rules of thumb that you guys can look at is anyone that uses multiple exclamation points on a website is probably a tout. Yeah, and anybody, I, I think that displaying your long-term record prominently... Rufus, your lack of sense of humor today is killing me. That's, that was a joke. Like You, you need well, to work I mean, it's here. true, though. I kind of agree. That's the point. Like, if you're... Yeah, if you're using big fonts and, like, <laughs> colorful letterings... If you use the word on fire, on fire is probably a good one also. Maybe your jokes um, just aren't very funny. That's entirely possible also. Uh, it, it's actually true. I know it's true. Um, so the the thing again, and, and I think this is like one of the things that, you know, I don't know if we're basically just telling people don't ever buy picks, but when you come into this idea that like Phil Steele has this long track record, and let's assume that this 879, 814 minus 16.4 units is, is true, the problem is that you've actually paid for this, right? So not only have you lost, but you've paid for something that has caused you to lose. Um, so it, it, it's it's pretty challenging to actually 
sell picks and have your customers make money off of those picks. And that's that's essentially why at the at the end of the day we get into this. We're really tough on pick sellers, and we'll always be really tough on pick sellers um, unless somehow, some way, they can prove us wrong. So, yeah, you want to move to man versus machine? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Man Let's versus machine. I was one and three last up. week against you. So. We, need, we need some sound effects for starting up the machine, like a lawnmower sound effect. Yeah. So I'm now seven, six, and one. I got the man versus the machine. So we're getting pretty close to 500, you know, which is probably what way, you'd expect. Someone asked me on Twitter, they said, well, wouldn't it be more fair if the machine man had to make his pick at the, like, the same time rather than hearing what the machine's pick is? But I said the whole that's point not, is the point of this yeah, segment is to see if your intuition is better than, you know, to, to know when to override a model. But they also made a good point. Aren't you using a different model of your own? Yeah, those are good points. But this is our segment, and we get to do whatever the hell we want with it. So go ahead. Okay, here we go. Okay, so the Jets are three-point underdogs on Thursday night uh, hosting Buffalo. The machine thinks the Jets should be a 0.8-point favorite. Machine's like on the, the Jets. Jets. I like the Jets. I agree. Philly minus eight. Against Denver, machine makes it minus six point six. So Philly, or so machine is on Denver. I like Denver, although the Brock Osweiler thing makes me break out in hives thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. So Giants plus three point. I have it as plus three point two five. Looks like it's between three and three and a half. Hosting the Rams, I make the Giants plus zero point three. Oh, I like it. I like the Rams. So that's one. Okay. Uh, New Orleans minus seven against Tampa Bay. Machine is minus seven point five. Machine's on the Saints. Uh, I'm going to take famous Jameis there, so I'll take Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville, a four and a half point favorite, hosting the Bengals. Machine makes it four and a half. The line is four and a half, so I say there. So that's a skip. Skip it. I actually kind of like Cincy there, but I liked him when the line was up at five and a half, which it was a, for a little while earlier. And so you're giving out a free pick here, huh? Cincy. Uh, yeah, that was a free pick. That that Cincy was plus. me telling you that I liked something before the line had changed. So yes, that's my Dr. Bob free free pick for you. Free lock of the week, five star. <laughs> five star. I think it's going to go back up to five and a half. Maybe I don't actually. I think it won't go back up. I think it'll probably stay where it is. Can we call that the Jeff Ma time machine special? That can be the play classification. Well, the time machine special was to not bet on Florida State because they were going to quit after watching that game against BC. So that's my time machine special. That's a winner. Okay, so Carolina minus one against Atlanta. I I make Carolina minus 0.3, so basically the same thing. But I guess I'm on Atlanta. Yeah, I like Atlanta. Okay. Uh, Houston minus 13 against Indianapolis. Um, uh, Houston minus 12.2 is the machine's number. So I like Indy. Okay. Tennessee minus four and a half hosting Baltimore. Machine makes it minus 3.3. Although that's really not available. I'm not even seeing a line on that game. Yeah. Um, I don't know where four and a half came from in my sheet, but I'm looking at the handy sports action app right now. Little shameless plug for the plug for them. I'm I'm looking at my spreadsheet where I inputted numbers from. So you're half you're hour. doing a plug you're doing a plug for Microsoft Excel. You I'm will. doing a plug for Google Documents. Okay, Google. so now handy dandy. So San Francisco is a two and a half point home underdog against uh, the Cardinals, and it looks like they're playing. They're not going to be starting Jimmy Garoppolo, which is good because I don't have to rerun my numbers. I make Arizona minus three point seven, so I'm on Arizona. 
You love Arizona. I like San Francisco. Okay. Uh, so that's a differ. Mm-hmm. Seattle, Seattle minus seven hosting Washington. Machine makes it minus 6.7. So I'm on Washington. With, yeah, I'd be on Washington also. Um, Dallas plus one against Kansas City. I make Dallas a two and a half point favorite. Machines on Dallas. I'm going to take KC. Okay. Um, Miami, and that's between three and three and a half. Um, they're th- between three and three and a half point home dog against the Raiders with a limited Jay Cutler. Um, Machine makes the Raiders a 0.4 point favorite, so Machine is on the, the Dolphins. I'll take the Dolphins also. And Any chance last- I can back Jay Cutler, I take it. <laughs> so lastly, Green Bay. It's between two and a half and three. Um, there is a dog against the Lions. Machine makes them a 2.9 point favorite. So Machine is on Green Bay. Um, yeah, I like Green Bay also. I think Brent Hudley's going to play a little better. He can't play much worse. It's true. It's a fair point. Okay, you know we're you know we're only four and a half points out of first in the super contest. Which is crazy because we went like we went three and two last week and one and four the other week. So yeah, the one and four week was a week where like the top eleven consensus picks all lost. So I think a lot of people might have done poorly that week. Um, you know what's interesting too is we're not doing any like the game theory that a lot of people do. A lot of people won't take flat lines, i.e., like half points because they don't want ties. They want opportunities for wins and. A lot of people will take advantage of the stale lines. Like we do this so early that we don't even know what the actual lines are. So we're handicapping ourselves, so to speak, um, which is right. Right. Yeah. Right now it's Wednesday at 6 p.m. in Prague. Right. Like, and it's we don't even know what the super contest lines are yet. For sure. I mean, we can guess, but right. All right. Let's uh, let's do our picks. Um you, I think you go first this week. This is okay. I'm going to start by taking Green Bay. Plus, I don't know what they'll list it at, but either plus two and a half or plus three, I'm sure. I like that. I like it. Just like Kirk Cousins says, you like that? Uh, okay. I am going to take. Maybe we should do a Thursday. I don't know if we can get a Thursday game in in time. I kind of like the Jets a lot. Uh, are Thursday games available for the Super Contest? I believe yeah. they are. You just have to submit them early. This is how much we know about the Super Contest, by the way. We're pretty good. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Denver plus eight, even with Brock Osweiler playing. Hopefully we can get a little bit better number there because people probably hate Brock Osweiler. He, he's the starter now, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I made the line with Simeon. I did not even... Uh, yeah, well, I that thought, just got I announced. I thought Simeon had gotten a vote of confidence that recently, just got, right? That, that, I think that just got announced today, so you might have been busy being in Europe. Okay, I will take, with my pick, the Dolphins plus three or three and a half, or whatever they're going to be at, against the Raiders. I like that. Anytime a team looks as crappy as the Dolphins did that Thursday night, it seems like they have some value. And Oakland seems like they continue to be overrated, which is interesting because they have not played particularly well. Uh, let's see here. I'm like debating the big dog, Indy, Cincy. Hmm. Or maybe the, the Niners. 
I'm going to go with the Niners. I, although that goes against you, so I don't really want to go against you necessarily if we can avoid it. Um, that's all right. I'm going to go with the Niners plus two. Okay. So this way either I'll look smart or we'll win. <laughs> Which would you prefer? I don't know. Depends on how the other ones do. Okay, so with the last one, I'll take Dallas, what I assume is plus one now. Uh, Dallas against Casey. Uh, same as me. Now I'm going to... No, that this is a that's mutual fit. pick. That's five. Fifth, that's no, five. no, no, the fifth one is a mutual pick. Well, so should I we take that one? Dallas. No, I don't want but, Dallas. You don't want to... Okay, can I can I sub that in then? Like, you did this before. Can I sub that in for an earlier pick? Because that... that, you, that do, you, do you really like Dallas? I do. I really like. I, I never right. liked you Dallas. You really so like Dallas. I'm fine. I with never it. liked Dallas, so I, I, I okay, want okay, okay, to okay. take the chance we're, to you're actually. In, you're in. Our model actually liked KC, but they liked KC at plus one, and even. So now that it's my, you know, minus one, I don't think we like it. So we're at least neutral to it. So if we can get Dallas plus one, which will probably be what it is, we'll take is, that. Is Zeke playing? Is that part of the reason this, that I uh, this value? I don't think Zeke is playing. Yeah, but they have that same offensive line. They'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not, again, we're not, I mean, Zeke not playing is probably the reason the line moved. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. But that's not much of a move from minus one to plus one, right? Or the reason the reason that the line is what it is. It is what it is, Rufus. All, all this time in your life, you should know that it is what it is. Okay, so Survivor, I'm still in my Survivor pool, although unfortunately everyone again won. There's nine people left. In a pool that started with you know um, a lots of lots of people. Um, last week I took New Orleans. Um, I would have taken Cincy, but I had taken them already, so um, I took New Orleans. And this week, even though it's going to be a super popular pick, I'm probably going to take Houston against Indy just because it's so much. Um, you know, Houston doesn't really have any future value. Some other teams you could look at are Philly, Seattle, Tennessee, Jacksonville, New Orleans. Um, I don't know if you have a point of view, but Houston's going to be super popular, but I'm still going to take them. Well, I got eliminated week one, remember, with my Cincinnati pick. Yeah, you're still allowed to talk, though. You're allowed to have a point of view. I can just tell you you don't really count. You can just tell me it's wrong. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so no thoughts from you then? Um, nothing really intelligent. <laughs> no. So the rep, I'll defer like, to you. I'll, de- I'll defer like to you. You kick an ass on the survivor. Really Exactly. Hey, the uh, rest of it, I have unintelligent opinions, though. That's true. That's true. Okay, so I think that's all we got this week. Um, hopefully this doesn't turn out to be all over the place because we did have some technical difficulties in the middle of this. Um, I'm just for, first in my life learning how to use a microphone and head, headphones, which is probably an important lesson for me. Um, but again, thanks for listening. Um, would love feedback uh, on Twitter, um, both good and bad, and um, really appreciate the feedback we've gotten so far. It's It's been fun to do this. Yeah, it's been good. I'm enjoying seeing the people in plaid shirts behind you in the Twitter offices. Are they trying to get into my conference room? No, no, they're just walking by in the hall. Perfect. I'm learning a little bit about Twitter employees' fashion choices. Or lack thereof. Um, Okay. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. And we will uh, talk to you next week. Bye.